0: All the brothers and sisters here, join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to talk about symbolism, and I, I just want to uh, prepare you. This is, this is going to be really helpful. Now, I gave you a little teaser last week about inheritance, so I'll talk about that a little bit. I won't stay long in there, but I, I will, uh, we will get to a point where we, just, we talk about some things that God really showed us in Scripture uh, that's really powerful. It can be very simple to understand but it's very powerful in knowing who we are and knowing who we are as, as, as his children. And so we'll, we'll share that through the message here. But let me first start with heirs and slaves, all right? It starts off in Galatians 4, talking about... Heirs and slaves. Now, in in the American culture, uh, we can see slaves in a different way, and and I want to respect that, but that's not what God's talking about. Actually, we all are considered slaves when it comes to that we've been slaves to the law. All right, all through the Bible, Abraham, uh, when you look at Abraham, when you look at Israel, they were enslaved to every country uh, known to man. Uh, But we, as also created human beings, are also enslaved to a law that we couldn't keep. Right, and so this is what God's talking about: is that we're we can all be part of understanding that we are heirs of God; we are part of His family. Uh, but there's a season, or there's a time when that happens. Uh, it really, let's read the scriptures, and then I'll I'll kind of unpack this for a second. But if you weren't here with us last week, you can jump right in. All right. So, verse one through seven of Galatians says this. And I love how Paul always starts out. Think of it this way, all right? So he's trying to open the box so we can all understand. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child and since you are his child god has made you his heir isn't that powerful that's what this is what symbolism does right he, he breaks it down into a spiritual principle that we can understand but he uses he uses something like inheritance that we understand in the world right when a father dies he leaves an inheritance to his kids by the way, in Proverbs, it says uh, it's, it's a blessing, or it's, it's wisdom or it's wise, that we leave an inheritance to our kids and our kids, kids and our kids' kids. Now, regardless of where their heart is in that reception, if they understand or they're thankful or they're grateful, or if they're greedy, uh, the, the principle is this: We have a good father that has set an inheritance for every person he's ever created, and it's available to every single person. It's available to every single person. The document's been written, right? The gospel's been written. The good news has been written and it's available to every single person, right? It's there, but you can't receive it. And even as a, uh, and, and the physical we can understand is if you're a child or if you're under the age and your father leaves you an inheritance, you can't receive that inheritance until a certain age or until whatever's written in, in, in the inheritance or the will, right? There's a time that even though there's an inheritance there, even though it's to you, you can't receive it until a time. And this is what Paul is saying. The same is true. We are all, Every single one of us have been enslaved to the law. We were all enslaved to the law. We had no hope, really, is what Paul's saying, because none of us could keep it. And the law is good, by the way. It's God's heart. It really, we should have wanted to keep God's heart, but we couldn't. Whether it was one law or 600 laws, it really doesn't matter. We couldn't keep God's heart. We needed a savior. We needed a Messiah. We needed an inheritance. We needed a package that could free us and save us. From, from this enslaving of the law. And this is, this is the symbolism that Paul's talking about. He's getting us to understand, look, in the same way that you, a father leaves the inheritance to his children, that is, that is viable. It's legally his. It's legally his, but something has to happen. An age has to be reached in the physical, and the spiritual, a savior, has to be received. We have to follow Christ. And when you follow Christ, this change happens. Paul talks about it like an adoption, you know, that's how we understand today, an adoption we understand. When somebody's adopted, when a child is adopted, and they're legally adopted, and it's, the court says yes, and the parents say yes, and the child says yes, when they sign the papers, are they becoming a child of that family, are they legally a child from that day? Legally, they're a child from that moment that the paper signed. And this is what Paul is saying. You are heirs to God. You're heirs to God to this heavenly family, you're heirs to the Father, the moment you receive Christ, the moment that you begin to follow Christ, it's been signed. You know, in our world, there's a piece of paper, right? Legal adoption, there's, there's a paper, there's, there's court, yeah, you have to go to, there's all these things that have to happen, but you legally become a son or a daughter of that family when the, the ink hits the paper of both the, the court and the family, the child, that's legally when it happens, Right? Spiritually, the same is true. There's been an adoption done in heaven by the Father, but the ink, the pen that signs the legal document is the blood of Christ. It's his blood. That's the signature. It's Christ's blood. That's what accepts you into the family. And the seal, all right, the seal for you as an adopted child is the legal paperwork, right? The seal is, is here, look, it happened. It was on this day, these people were here, there was witnesses, the court, they signed off on it. It was this and you have the paperwork. You want to know what your seal is spiritually? The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit. That's your seal. The blood is the ink, the Father is the adopter, the Holy Spirit is the seal. And make no mistake. When God looks at his kids and he sees the Holy Spirit, he knows that that's my child. That's my child but that is available to everybody. It's available. That inheritance is available. You know, the other crazy thing about inheritance, listen, everything that is physical or worldly, it breaks down compared to spiritually. So when you think about inheritance, somebody leaves an inheritance, the father leaves an inheritance, it's limited, isn't it? It's limited based on the measure or the provision or the, or the whatever's written out. It's limited to that, but as that. Child or that person receives that inheritance. It can only go till it runs out. You know, a lot of times it's financially, but sometimes it's assets, or sometimes it's uh, like it's memorabilia or or things that mean something to the family, and it's it's keepsakes. But it's limited, right? It could be stolen, it could be taken, it could be spent, and at some point it's it's gone, right? There's there's nothing left. Well, an, an inheritance from heaven never runs out, ever. Every resource is God's. God made the hills, the animals, the people, everything on it, it's all his. When you think about resources, every resource is available from heaven to earth. The grace of God never stops. The love of God never stops. The joy of God never stops. And guess what? Someday we're gonna leave this earth. Someday this earth will go away and we'll be replaced with a new Jerusalem. And the inheritance keeps going for eternity. For eternity. We will be receiving from our Lord Jesus. We'll be receiving from the Father. We'll be receiving for, the, for eternity. It never stops. So again, these things look good in the physical and the natural, but it never ever equates to what God has given to you. And what I love about this passage is, uh, is the final verse, because a lot of us get tripped up on this in our minds or in our finite minds. We get tripped up and It says that you are no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Instantly, you're his heir. Instantly upon salvation, when you receive the seal of the Holy Spirit upon your life, you are an heir of Christ. My, myself included, and many of us in this room, a lot of times we think, well, I've got to, uh, I'm becoming a child of God, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm in the process. And I understand that we're maturing. But when you adopt a child, instantly you're part of the family. Instantly you're a child. When you, become, when you receive Christ, and when you become an heir of Christ, you are instantly part of God's family. You're instantly his child. You're not becoming his child. A lot of us keep thinking, well, I just gotta keep doing a couple more good works and then I'll be a child. Or if I can, if I can get here in my relationship with God, then, then I'll be accepted as a as his child. No, you're accepted through the blood of Christ and the seal of the Holy Spirit. You're his heir. Jesus Christ is the king. You are an heir to the king. Now, today, right now. Look, if you haven't received Christ, you can make that change today. You can receive Christ. You can follow Christ today. You can make that change. The adoption will be signed by Jesus himself through his blood. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you today. That can happen for you. So if that's where you are today and you need to receive Christ, you can do that today. Today's the day of salvation, the scripture says. Look, it's been written the whole time. Before we even entered the earth, the inheritance or the the blessing or the covenant from God has been written for you and for me. And for every person on the planet, whether they know Christ or not, there's still the good news applies to them. Jesus died for the whole world, not just for a few. He died for everybody. It's pretty awesome. That's, That's the symbolism. You are his child now today. If you've received Christ, you are his child you are his heir. You're not becoming his heir, you are his heir. But just like an adoption, right? When you adopt a child and you're the if you're the parent, right? They're going to learn what your values are. They don't know them from day one. There's not like an instant download where, okay, I'm part I understand everything about the family. No, there's a process, isn't there? There's a maturity, there's a growing, there's there's teachable moments, there's correction, there's discipline. And in the same way, that's true with us as children of God, right? We're understanding God's heart. We're learning the heart of the Father. We're learning the heart of the Son. We're learning the heart of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna keep maturing and growing, but it doesn't change our familyhood. It doesn't change our, our, uh, our heirship, our, our adoption. It doesn't change any of that. But a lot of times we think, well, I lost that adoption because I did this. Or uh, I'm, I like Jesus and I, I'm following Jesus and I can become part of his family, but I've gotta do these, these hundred things before I can really be accepted by the Father. Look, it's not true. That's the way the Galatians thought, right? They heard the gospel through Paul, but they went back to their human effort. They went back to trying to please God with their human effort. Look, I'm not saying that we don't do good things because if you know a good God, you're gonna resemble his heart. But the reality is your human effort means nothing. My human effort, you can't buy the grace of God. You can't work for the grace of God. That's what Ephesians says. If you could work for it, if your work could obtain salvation, then it wouldn't be grace. Christ died in vain. Let's put it that way. Christ died in vain. We would never say that, but in our actions, sometimes that's what we're saying. As I know that Jesus sacrificed his life for me, but it really doesn't matter until I do these things. And this is what the Galatians were saying. This is what a lot of us have been in our life, saying is that, yes, Jesus died for me, but, look, I understand that we will serve a great God and we're gonna do good things, but it's not about our human effort. And Paul goes on to say, look, this is, look at it through an adoption. Look at it this way. And then he goes on to say, hey, let me show you another way. Let me show you another piece of symbolism in the scriptures. And he talks about two covenants, a covenant of flesh and a covenant of spirit, a covenant from God, and a covenant from human effort. Now watch, you're, it's pretty amazing. If you've ever read the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah, now if you're new to the Bible, maybe you've never heard of this before, so I don't wanna assume that everybody's heard, okay? Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham was one of the first that God spoke to. He received it by faith. He received what God said, and because he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness through his faith. All right, so that's, that's where it began. God gave Abraham a promise. And the promise was this. There was a couple of promises. I read it last week. But one of the promises was, I'm going to give you a son. They were having problems having children. Maybe you're here today and you're in that boat. So was Abraham. So was Sarah. They wanted a kid. They desired to have a child. But they couldn't have a child for whatever reason. They prayed. They asked God. And they couldn't have children. Now, God, at some point, came to Abraham and Sarah and said, I promise you, you will have a child. You'll have a son. And through that son will come the seed, the Messiah. I promise you this will happen. Has any of you received a promise from God before? Anyone heard of it? You have? If you've received a promise, and I I believe that if you haven't, I believe God is speaking to you today. Let me just say this. Sometimes when God gives a promise, it is always a blessing. It's always more than you think. But you know the hard part of the promise the fulfillment. Not hard for God. God can fulfill anything instantly. Hard for us because we want it now. Hard for us because we want to add human effort. Hard for us because we want to make it happen. We want to tell God how he has to make the miracle happen, but it wouldn't be a miracle if we told God how to do it, would it? But this happened to Abraham and Sarah. God said, Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child but it didn't happen in their timing. And in human effort, what did they do? In human effort, they said, you know what? I'm gonna make this happen. And they had, they had a woman that worked for them named Hagar. And part of the law was, look, if you can't have physical children, you can use your, your, your bond servants. You could use those that are working for you and you can have children through them. You can you know, advance your lineage that way. So they, in human effort, Abraham and Sarah said, look, all right, we're gonna have a son this way. And Hagar had a son, his name was Ishmael. Now, this wasn't the promise that God talked about. This was human effort, and Abraham and Sarah making it happen through human effort. It didn't happen in their timing, so they decided, I'm gonna make it happen. And look, for those of you that have received a promise from God, or maybe you're waiting for a promise for God, God's promise is always better when he answers. And when we start to answer the promise on our own, it's always a stumbling block. There's always something that we, we have created that God never intended for us. And if you've ever studied Abraham and Ishmael and Hagar, it's a harsh story. And I remember reading it maybe the first few times I read it because after he has Ishmael, his son, this is Abraham's son, Ishmael, and that was through human effort. It was through their own driving force. But Hagar and Ishmael, they became a problem after they had Isaac. And Sarah knew, and we're gonna read this in just a second, they knew that Ishmael would never never share an inheritance with Isaac, that Ishmael would never accept what's going on through the promise of Isaac. Look, globally, let's look at it eternally. Here's what they're saying. Ishmael would never accept the seed that would come through Isaac, which is the Messiah, which is Christ. And so they told Hagar and Ishmael that they had to go away. Could you imagine Abraham and Sarah, could you imagine saying to Hagar and their son, you have to go away? It had to be difficult. No, I would read that and say, that doesn't seem like grace to me. But let's read this and I think this will help you. I, I, I didn't see this till years later, but hopefully this will help you. Starting in verse 21 of Galatians 4, talking about, listen, these are sy- symbolism. We're talking about the flesh and the promise. So here's what we're saying. Ishmael was caused by the flesh. It was caused by human effort. Isaac was the promise of God. All right. So those are your two understandings. That's the symbolism. Now listen. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you not know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from the freeborn wife. The son of the slave was born in human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born of God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants or symbolism. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. And Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child bar- born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the Scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance of the free woman's son." So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, we are children of the free woman. Now maybe this is going over your head, so let me just bring it really simple to you. Hagar and Ishmael happened because a human being heard the promise of God and tried to take it in their own hands and make it happen. Now look, I think all of us, I've had a promise, the Lord showed me a dream many years ago, over 15 years ago about this church, and I still remember. It's much like Joseph. Joseph had a dream, right? Joseph had a dream about how he would become one of the greatest people on the, on, as far as uh, ruler on the earth. He'd be one of the greatest people, that all the people would come to him. Now, he didn't understand it when he gave it. A lot of times when we give him a promise, it goes to our head. When God gives us a promise, sometimes it goes to our head and our ego takes in. And Joseph was like, hey, brothers, look at this. Hey, mom and dad, you're going to bow down to me. And they didn't like that. And bad things happened. Even though Joseph and even though Abraham and Sarah, even though they put human effort to it, the amazing thing is God still fulfilled the promise in his timing and in his way. So my encouragement to you, if you've received a promise or whenever you do receive a promise from God, let him do the heavy lifting. I know as human beings, we always wanna drive and make this thing happen. But listen, miracles don't come about because of human effort. You're part of the miracle, but you can't make the miracle happen. God always uses people. He used Abraham, he used Sarah, he'll use you, he'll use me as part of the miracle. But you can't make the supernatural happen because you're finite and you're not God. And a lot of times when there's a promise and there's time, that's the hardest thing for us, isn't it? It's the time between the promise and the fulfillment. But listen, God knows when it needs to happen. Sometimes there's testing, sometimes it's just not the right time. Look, we don't know, that's not our place. But God has never lied. He's always been true and he's always faithful. So if he gives you a promise, look, I'm not saying to pray or talk to God or keep walking towards God, but let him do the answering. You know, Ishmael, and uh, this is a whole other series I can't really get into, but let me just blow your mind for a second. Ishmael, when they asked him to leave, guess where he went? They told him he had to go to East. He had told him to go to Arabia. Now, Ishmael and Hagar went east. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but another religion does. Do you want to know who claims Ishmael as their prophet? Islam. Now, think about this. The Bible says, what the Bible says is, Ishmael, is symbolizes being in bondage. Now, I believe God, I believe Jesus died for every Muslim and every Arab every person on the planet. It doesn't matter if you're Arab or if you're English or if you're, like, he died for everyone. So the same gospel, the same good news, the same freedom is offered to every person on the planet. But think about this. Ishmael was told by his father, his physical father, Abraham, that he had to go away and go east, and they went to Arabia. The Muslims or the Islams claim that he was the original prophet. Actually, they even claim that Hagar and Ishmael are buried at Mecca. Muhammad was in the lineage of Ishmael. That's what they claim. He was in the bloodline of Ishmael. They're making connections just like flip over to the promised side. Isaac was the promised son of God and the Messiah would come out of the lineage of Isaac. Do you hear the difference? There's another religion that claims that Muhammad, the prophet, came out of the lineage of Ishmael. But God has said the whole time that this was the human effort. This was bondage. And look, I believe we should pray for our Muslim friends and our people of Islam. We should pray for all of them. But can you see that everything they do is out of human effort? In fact, Muhammad said this before he died I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't even know how you get to heaven. Muhammad's words. And the one thing, the only thing that Muslims claim that will get to you heaven is dying in jihad. They're always trying to please their father. Ishmael was always trying to please Abraham. And now they made a spiritual principle. If you die trying to please your father, that'll get you into heaven. By the way, the promised seed, Jesus Christ, said this. The only way you get to the Father, the way the truth of life, is through me, Jesus. There's no other way. Isn't there a stark difference between those that are following Ishmael and those that are following Isaac? Look, all of us that receive Jesus as Messiah are now part of, we're the part of the seed of Abraham. We're part of this bigger family. That the promise goes way back. We talked about this last week. The promise goes all the way back to Abraham. He told Abraham, "Look, you're going to have a child." who was Isaac, and through Isaac, through the lineage of Isaac will come the Messiah, and through the Messiah will come salvation, and you'll have as many kids as the seashore. Did you think Abraham understood what he was saying in the moment? No. And this is my encouragement to you as you receive a promise from God, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. God's promises are always more than you think. Is it a blessing to you in the moment? Isaac was a blessing to Abraham and Sarah. In fact, they had kids when they were 90. Think about that. In their 90s. In fact, when God gave the promise to Sarah, she laughed. I think you would have too if you were 90 and God to get that promise to you. But God was still faithful. Miraculously, it was still happened. Look at this verse in Philippians, and I think this is uh, pretty amazing. It says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on a day when Christ Jesus returns. Notice it doesn't say that it will be completed when you leave earth. This is the amazing thing about promises from God or, or uh, when Abraham, look, the promises are still happening today. The same promise he gave Abraham is still being fulfilled today because we're part of Abraham's family. We're part of the children of the Sea of the Sand Shore. And the same is true for you. When God gives you a promise, Look, our life on earth may be done here, we may be in heaven, but the promise God gave to you still goes on. It says it still goes on until Christ returns. That's why I say it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me. Notice what the verse says. The verse in Philippians says that he who began the good work in you, remember who did the adopting here, he did. Remember who shed the blood, he did. Remember who saved you, he did. Remember who put the gifts and talents into you, he did. He who began the good work. You see, he did all the heavy lifting. We received this wonderful good news of our of our savior. And what he began, he will finish. Yes, we strive to worship God and we strive to serve God and we want to do and represent the heart of God. We love God and we love people. Yes, that's what we do. That's our pattern. But it doesn't come out of human effort. It isn't by us making it happen. Yes, we play a part, but we play a part through Christ, through his blood, through our adoption, through the seal of the Holy Spirit. We do all of that through him. Let's not make it about works. Let's not make it about, we've got to do all these good things. Look, that's, this, these are the two covenants, the slave woman and the free woman. You're a child of the free woman. Let's not go back to making it about rules and legalism. The heart of God is always good. Look, the heart of God is always good. You should always seek the heart of God. You should always live by the principles of God's heart. It's always a blessing to you. But our humanity likes to go back to, I can do this on my own. I can drive the ship. And Abraham saying, no, 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 no. Remember, it's he that began a good work in you. It's him that saved you. It's him that signed the papers with his blood. It's Him that sealed you with the power of God that lives inside you day in and day out. Yes, live for God. Yes, work hard. Run the race to win. But you run through His blessing and through His covenant and through His adoption. Remember, He answers the promises. It's Him that miraculously gives us the answer. Finally, let me close with this the therefore's in Scripture. You ever see this in the Bible? This is where we're at. Chapter 4 ends, and he says, uh, Let me just read that last verse for you. He says, So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, we are children of the free woman. So, remember how it ends. Verse 5, remember the Bible isn't broken up, it's an ongoing conversation. Therefore, stand fast, therefore. It ends, Paul keeps going. Stand fast, therefore, is what the New King James Version and New Living Translation, it says this. I'll show you where the therefore is. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure, therefore that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to, t- to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every reg- regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness of God, has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressed itself in love. What is important is faith expressed itself in love. What is important is that your faith is to a living God, to Jesus Christ, to the Messiah, to love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole soul, and to love others as you love yourself. Do you get it? If you follow these things, look, the law is who you are. God's heart is who you are. You're not trying to do something to get something. You're living in a life of freedom where you're living out the heart of God. And there's a dynamic difference. And this is what Paul is saying. Therefore, look, guys. You've received Christ. You can know Christ. You've been adopted by Christ. You're his children. He has sent you, the Holy Spirit, the most powerful God in the universe to live inside of you. Guess what? He knows everything. He can do anything. He can be everywhere at one time. That's who's inside of you. So why would you go back to human effort? Why would you go back to you doing everything? Why would you go back to human effort when you have the very God inside of you that can help you? They can give you the answers, they can give you the support, they can give you the power. they can give you all that you need. He's right there. And Paul just encouraged us. Faith, I love how he closed out verse five. I think it's beautifully written. What is important, therefore, what is important is faith expressing itself in love, a relationship with Jesus expressing itself in love. That's what it's all about, guys. Remember, Paul's writing to the Galatians who heard the gospel through Paul. They heard the good news through Paul, but there's Jews that are trying to get them to go back to the law. And Paul's saying, guys, come on. You know what freedom is. Why would you go back to human effort? Look, one thing you need to know about every other religion besides following Christ is this. It's all about human effort. It's all about works. It's all about works. It doesn't surprise me that the the only way to heaven through muslim is by dying in a war for Allah. Why? Think about it. Because they go back to Ishmael that was separated from Abraham, which was his father. They're trying to gain approval of their humanly father, so they apply that to a spiritual father. It's not true, but it won't change. This is what human effort does. We make our own ways. We make our own roads, right? One of the teachings in our culture is everything leads to God. It's not true. Sounds good, but it's not true. This is what human effort is. It justifies everything that we have in our minds and our hearts and our own behavior. And we try to make things true that aren't true. We'll even buy the lie. We'll even, it even becomes truth to us, even though it's a lie. Jesus will always be the only way, truth, and life. Freedom will only come through Christ. Your adoption, your freedom, your inheritance, everything you wanna know about God is found in a relationship with God. Everything you wanna know about loving people and blessing people and serving people is only found through a relationship with God because God didn't come to be served, he came to serve. So if you wanna understand how to serve people, then worship a God that served us. Worship a God that died for us first. While we are yet sinners, he died for us. Worship a God that understands grace because he is grace. Jesus isn't a lot like grace and Jesus isn't a lot like love and Jesus isn't a lot like joy. He is the definition of love and joy and grace and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. That's who the definition is. That's who he is. And the only way you receive that kind of identity is by living a perfect life, which Jesus did. Never sinned. As a human being, he never sinned. That's who you worship, church. Yes, win, run this race to win, but don't replace Jesus with yourself. And I just wanna, I want you to stand on to your feet. I wanna pray for you this morning. And I'll have the altar teams come forward. So altar teams, if you can come on up. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and you just need to receive Christ. You've just been trying to grind it out yourself. Look, now's the time. Today's the day. Just right there in your seat to say, God, I am so sorry. The Bible says, repent. Look, that's part of your salvation, is you have to say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then the second part of this is, God, I believe. I believe that you came and you died for me. You sacrificed your life. You rose from the grave. You appeared for 40 days and you ascended into heaven and you're alive today. You're not dead today, you're alive. And you're sending me the Holy Spirit. And quite simply with that belief, Romans ten nine says, believe in your heart and you shall be saved, that's it. Follow Jesus. Look, this is why the Bible is so important. You gotta have one. If you're giving your life to Christ, you need the word of God because this is, As a child of God, this is the heart of your dad. This is the heart of the son. This is the heart of the Holy Spirit. You've been adopted, and these are his values. This is his best for you. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ right here. So we have that gift for you. If you want to give your life to Jesus, we'd love to give it to you. Just come on up here, tell him, look, I did it. I've given my life to Jesus. I want to follow him for all my days. We'll give you a Bible today. And if you're here today, maybe just as I talk about promises, god reminded you of the promise he gave you maybe you're sitting here today and go oh i've forgotten or or maybe it's just been on your heart look please don't take control look he is always faithful and he's always true i don't know when he'll answer i don't know how he'll answer but i do know this when he answers you're gonna know it i think abraham and sarah knew when isaac came that's the promise of god that's what god said would happen And for you, I believe that to be for you. You're gonna know. And remember, it's gonna go beyond you. It is gonna be a blessing to you and your life and your family, but it's also gonna be an eternal seed that goes on until Christ returns. So wait for it. Hang in there. Thank God for it. But let him do the heavy lifting. Let him do the miracle. And if you're here today, you've never heard a promise from God. Can I just tell you this? John says this, the sheep will hear my voice. A sheep is symbolic of the church. Sheep are symbolic of his followers. You have a God that's speaking to you. I know we don't hear promises every day, like eternal promises like that every day, but I do I do believe there's a promise for every one of you. Because as human fathers with our kids, right? We make promises to our kids all the time.
1: Sometimes we don't always
0: follow up on them, but that's not the father that we worship. God makes a promise to you, he will answer. He will fulfill his promise. But as a father and as a, as a parent, look, we make promises to our kids and we want nothing more than to fulfill those promises, right? And so if you haven't heard a promise, look, open your heart right now. Right here, right now. Spend some time in worship with God and open your heart. Maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow. All I can tell you is you have a God that's speaking to you. Stay focused, stay in relationship. You'll hear and you'll know. Just hang on, hang on. It's the best ride ever, isn't it? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this church. Lord, for those that are receiving you as Lord and Savior. God, thank you for dying for them. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for every person in this room. And Holy Spirit, show them how much they mean to you show them how happy and how excited you are that you have inked their adoption you've accepted them into the family they're now heirs of Christ oh God just give them a big hug from heaven show them how much you love them and God the best is yet to come for them and Lord for us that have promises from heaven let us remain faithful to what is true let us remain faithful to our relationship with you God you're the promise maker and you're the promise keeper just like Abraham, that promise has been kept over and over and over and over again. Lord, help save us from ourselves. Help us not turn to human effort. Help us not turn to ourselves to try to make the answer. Help us stay trust you, stay united with you, look to you for the answer. The promise from God is always better than our human effort. And so we trust you and we give that promise to you. If it hasn't been answered, we give it to you and we just say thank you. Because we know you're always faithful and true. And Lord, for those that are where they want to hear your voice. So bad they want to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, would you speak to them right now? Today. Speak a promise that only you can give, a promise that only you can that only you can give to their heart. It's going to mean something to them. It's going to mean even more to them. It means the world to eternity. And so, Lord, we give that to you. Lord, anybody that's here saying, I just want to hear God's voice. Holy Spirit, speak to them right here, right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said. Amen. Look, I'm going to dismiss you, but I want to remind you that people will be praying and seeking God and asking for their promise or maybe praying and receiving Christ. So uh, if, if you're ready to go, you're more than welcome to go. Just head out to the lobby and just respect that people may be praying but you are dismissed. Let's worship together. And if you need prayer, please, come and pray. Don't leave without prayer. So much power and uniting in prayer. And So if you need prayer, come on. But you are dismissed. We love you. God bless you. See you next week.